This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023-24 season. Before we get started, you know the drill. Subscribe on YouTube, hit the notification bell so you know every single time we post a video here for all things NBA and, of course, LA sports. And tonight is one of those nights that my followers and subscribers do not like because both LA teams took an L. One of them got absolutely smacked in the fucking face but didn't have one of their best players and the other one oh the other one my clippers gonna be something to talk about let's talk about it let's get right into it let's waste no time clippers against the brooklyn nets i want to just preface by saying i didn't get to see the first quarter i watched some of the plays back on well you know like the live uh the video box score or whatever so I got to see some of the shots. I really wanted to just see what kind of shots Russ was taking, what kind of shots the team was getting. And by the way, if you are listening on Twitter right now, I'd really appreciate it if you exited out of that and slid underneath to the tweet that you're on to the YouTube link because that's where I make my money, that's where I make my bread, that's where we want to get people to go, you know, on the road to 10K. So please, if you do me a favor, come to uh, YouTube because Twitter, eh, Twitter's for the birds, no pun intended. Actually, pun intended. Anyway, let's talk about the game. So, second game of this James Harden era, and the first minute and a half or so, Russell Westbrook had three assists in the first 70 seconds. And we've run this same play for both James Harden and Russell Westbrook to catch the ball about 18 feet away from the basket very frequently in these first two games. Basically, we have one of them start... Without the basketball, they get like a pin down to come up, catch the ball 18 feet away that whoever the initiator is that's coming across half court will throw them the ball, and then we get a little bit of off-ball action, usually Kawhi or Paul George coming off a curl. We've ran that a lot to try to get either, you know, whoever's setting the screen to get a little backdoor layup or somebody, whoever's coming off the screen to get a jumper, or whoever's setting the screen to maybe get a backdoor layup if they commit to the whoever's coming off the screen on the wing. So that set we run so many times. It's just, I've never seen James Harden come off so many pin downs. I want to give him a lot of credit for the way he's tried to buy in these first couple of games. But the moral of the story is this. When I was so adamant in my stance about this trade not being the right mm -hmm. idea, it's because it wasn't because I thought that the players would not get along. It's because I knew that this fit wasn't seamless. I knew that this was just throwing shit to the wall and hoping it stuck that the talent would win out. And that is not how championships are won in the history of the NBA. You get real development, and if you really need to stack the deck because you don't think you have enough talent, then you add one or two pieces that make sense. I've never seen a team win like this, ever. So that's why I'm skeptical. We already had our doubts about the Kawhi and PG fit at the highest level, meaning championship level. Because again, if you really want to talk history, we've never seen two score first wings that are good but not great playmakers, not really natural passers, winning a championship. LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, two wings. LeBron is a point forward. Maybe the best, either him or Larry Bird, best passing forward the game has ever seen. And then you talk about the Bulls. I mean, Scottie Pippen is a point forward. He's not the most aggressive scorer in the world, and you fucking Mike there. So 
if you want to talk, you know, try to make a counter argument and say those guys were wings and whatnot, it's not the same. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they like to operate from similar areas. They are both fantastic scorers of the ball, and their playmaking is, is good at best. So I've never seen this win. This is a different era, though, positionless ball, and I wanted to see it. The Celtics are in the same predicament with, the, with their kind of take-turnsy offense. But that being said, you have that already, and now you add Westbrook, it seemed like, made everybody's life easier. He got Paul George to be even a better version of himself. Now you add in Harden. It's not necessarily Harden's fault, but everyone's trying to accommodate everyone, and they're not playing their game. James Harden... Even though he was bringing up the ball a lot more in this game, it felt like. Or maybe not a lot more, more. There were still so many possessions where I'm like, James Harden off the ball. Like, I've, I've never seen him come off this many screens. He looks uncomfortable. He's not being maximized. He's shot efficiently in both games, and he's only shot nine times in each game. He was six for nine against New York, and he was four for nine against Brooklyn. So he's been pretty efficient in both games. And you know he brings good stuff when he has the ball in his hands. But... This was my issue. It's not because I don't think Harden's good. Obviously, I have my issues with him as a basketball player, but it's not because I don't think he's good. He's still really nice as a third option. But this is making Westbrook worse. I tweeted it out tonight. It's not about the bad fit with Kawhi and Paul George. I never thought Harden and Kawhi and Paul George were a bad fit. It's that Harden, Paul George, Kawhi, and Westbrook together all starting is fucking weird. You see what it does. It puts Westbrook off the ball even more than he already was despite the fact that he's shot well from three so far this season and has been so much more willing, especially if you look at the first quarter, to be off the ball, to cut, to screen, to be used in you know the guard-to-guard guard or guard-to-forward pick-and-roll. He's been so much more willing. He's made a lot of sacrifices, you know? But the sacrifices he needs to make if he wants to win a championship uh, as a starter, period, right? But he has made them to stay effective. And the Clippers, I, I saved this tweet... They had, um, let me see the stats. Let me see the stats. I bookmarked a tweet. I got to pull that up. Oh, man, Twitter. This dude, Musk. He's fucking killing me, man. It was like the Clippers had the best net rating or something with any, any three-person trio in the NBA as of yesterday. Kawhi, Paul, and Russ. That was what it was. Stat Muse posted it. Best trio net rating-wise. Kawhi, Paul, and Russ. I get it. Small sample size. We played against teams that weren't that great. But I, the way we were playing, though. How many games last season did you guys see me come up here bitching and moaning that we were losing that we should have won? So when I hear, oh, the Magic, the Blazers, they suck. We were losing to teams that fucking sucked last year. So what I was seeing was a good process with good defense. With good defense and guys in their roles. You had Paul George and Kawhi at the right aggression level. You had Russell Westbrook doing what he was. Like, if you wanted to try to make Russell Westbrook a starting point guard for a championship team, then that role that he was in as the third option, a starting point guard, not having to defer to any other ball handler, that was the role. That was it. Showtime Nick says that the live stream is lagging. Is it lagging for you guys? Because if it is, my apologies. My Wi-Fi is really good. So I, I really don't know why it's lagging if it is. But it's just so clunky, right? We don't get nearly as many transition points now that we have Harden. I mean, that's just a fact because, one, we're not getting enough stops. Two, we're not securing the ball rebounding-wise because we got smaller. And three, 
because Harden is not going to play super fast. I know he's trying. He's done some good things on fast breaks, pushing the ball and making a good pass, but it's not his game. And quite frankly, it's not really Kawhi and Paul's game either. We adjusted because of Westbrook, because of Bones, KJ Martin, these younger guys that we had. And now it's like, what the fuck? Not to mention that in the beginning of the game, Kawhi was just missing shots. Like, a lot of these problems are going to be alleviated when the guys make shots. But there's a reason they're missing shots. It's not just random that, oh, all of a sudden Harden comes and they're missing. No, they're out of rhythm. It's shit's weird. So Paul George, for example, comes out gunning in the first quarter. Gunning. In the first half, he had 14 shots. 14 shots. And he was cooking. He had 17 points. You know how many shots he took in the third quarter when he's our guy that's getting going? One. One, he played eight minutes in the third quarter, he took one shot. Do you know why that is? I can guarantee you why that is. Because Kawhi Leonard only had six shots at halftime. So you know what that means? Oh, we got to look to get Kawhi the ball more. No shit we do. No shit we do. And Kawhi's too fucking quiet to say anything, it seems, about the fact that now, and people are, people are so funny, they're surprised that Kawhi's deferring so much. Are you kidding me? This is what happens when you do this. this is, you know, you know what, when this happened? In 2019, when I was living in Massachusetts going to school, I saw that the Celtics, after making that run to Game 7 against Cleveland, you added Kyrie and Gordon Hayward back. And now you had JB and Tatum were trying to develop. You had Terry Rozier, who got really high on his confidence after that run. Now you bring Kyrie and Gordon Hayward back into the fray. You have Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris, who still have their own egos. And they had the championship expectation, and everyone's trying to figure out, oh, we want... And Al Horford is still a really, you know, he's a better player at this point. Everyone's trying to defer to each other. Everyone's trying to not step on each other's toes. If you go back and look at that schedule, I remember the Celtics lost a game to Orlando early in the season, and they scored like 92 points in it. And I, and I was watching with my homies at, in, in UMass, and I was like, this just felt so weird. It felt like nobody got a rhythm because everybody was too worried about each other. Like... People think people call me all kinds of names. I'm not, by the way, please don't think I'm overreacting and saying this shit is cooked. It's not going to work. I'm going to stand by my stance and say that this move did not get us that much closer to a chip and that we're not going to win the chip. I stand by that. But I'm not going to say the sky's falling and I was right 100%. You know, everybody else that said I was wrong is an idiot. I'm not going to say that yet. But I'm going to say it if it continues. It, there's gonna, it's going to take more than two games, no doubt about it. But. I, every single concern that I had is showing right now. Right now. It, the offense, I mean, the defense in the first quarter was fine, I guess. I, I, I was surprised when I came home and we had only allowed 13 points in the first quarter. 21 to 13. And again, James Harden only one shot in the first quarter. One shot. Russell Westbrook, four, four shots. 0 for 4 in the first quarter. And again, with Westbrook off the ball more, it feels like almost... Like he was told, you're in the same role you were in Houston, playing off a of Harden. Like, just be in attack mode, be aggressive. Fuck no. We have Kawhi and Paul George on our, on our team. So for all those idiots, idiots in my comment section that said, this motherfucking casual hasn't seen Russ and Harden play together. Bro, I watched all their fucking games uh, when they were with Houston. Almost all of them. There's two better players than them now. <laughs> it's this, these people, they're so such simple-minded thinkers, man. Such simple-minded thinkers. And don't even get me started on Ivica Zubats, who he has really disappointed me. I don't even know what to say at this point. He started out okay the first couple of minutes. Then as the game went on, not catching the ball again, getting blocked, getting stripped, not having the same presence defensively. Doesn't look like he has any confidence. And then a, a large reason as well, though, our point of attack defense got worse. We just have less length and size on the court. 
So Zoo, whenever he goes up for a block or a rebound, who is that second effort? Who's making the second effort, getting a body on guys and following up the miss? You can't just expect your center to do all that. You know, he's Zoo is not a type of guy who can jump and contest and then land on the floor and then go right back up and get a rebound on that same shot. He doesn't have that kind of ability, agility. He does, he's not that kind of athlete. He, blo- he contests, that's it. You know what I'm saying? It's not Anthony Davis we're talking about here. So first quarter, let me look at the substitution pattern. By the way, you were one, if you were wondering what the Clippers are going to do without Mason Plumlee and, uh, yeah, without Mason Plumlee, a lot more P.J. Tucker at the five, and it was garbage, like straight-up garbage. I mean, P.J. came in at the 628 mark for Zoo. And, and by the way, like Russ, he needs to relax with the threes, quite frankly. But secondly, I know he's just only being encouraged to be aggressive when he's off the ball. He's just off the ball a little too much now, <laughs> too much for my liking. And everyone's seeing it. And then Harden's off the ball too much that he's not even getting shots. And then we don't defend as well. And everybody's defense has dropped since the trade. Paul George looks more disinterested. Kawhi's getting blown by and having shitty closeouts. Like, he is getting beat a lot more than before. I mean, let's put it this way. Kawhi last season looked like he wasn't as quick defensively, but he was still very good. And then to start the season, he still looked pretty good, like exactly the same as last year. Ever since the trade, he's looked a little bit worse. Maybe he's just going to, you know, maybe he just is worse than last year, and we just didn't see it quickly enough. But in my opinion, when you're surrounded by better defensive personnel, you're going to look better. And I think having Roko next to Kawhi in that starting lineup or even, you know, happy to see Terrence Mann return in this game. Uh, he, he looked pretty decent defensively to start, but he's not going to be the savior and answer to all our problems when he's only getting, let's see how many minutes he got in the whole game. 19. I mean, I think he's just still getting used, you know, getting his legs under him, still getting a feel for things. Uh, he was 0 for 2. Didn't make much of an impact at all. Zero points, four rebounds, one assist. And again, this this trade is only going to minimize Terrence's value as well, which is so funny that they didn't want to trade him, which I get though, because what they were thinking was our point of attack defense is going to be weak. We still want to have him. He's going to be, he's just a great guy to have around stars. That's true. That's true. But, you know, when you have these four stars out there and their tallest guy is 6'8", Paul George, you're going to want your big out there more often than not. And you traded your best options for small ball fives in Nico and Rocco. So this is the bed that you fucking made. Time to lay in it, Lawrence Frank. And I've been so supportive of Lawrence Frank all these years. Now he gets no sympathy from me at all because he just, he didn't even give it time to breathe. If we really needed Harden, we really lacked shot creation, then we could have waited 10, 15, <coughs> 10 or 15 games. I don't think Harden was going anywhere. I don't think he was going anywhere. By the way, P.J. Tucker, um, I thought he was better in this game. He was good on the offensive glass. He had three offensive rebounds. But overall, he just doesn't bring anything offensively. And he's not good enough defensively to me to warrant so many minutes. But he was plus 10 in this game in the plus minus. I mean, I don't really buy the single game plus minus too much. But we'll take it, right? He was better than last game. He had a positive impact. I'll give him that. But... Second quarter, I thought our defense was still pretty good, switching one through four. PG was cooking. I liked how aggressive he was being. And then Harden, it was exactly a carbon copy of last game in so many ways. Second quarter, he was able to run some things. Let me, again, just look at the the substitution patterns. So Bones Highland entered the game for James Harden at the 438 mark of the first quarter. So we had Bones Highland, Westbrook, Kawhi. I'm sorry, not Westbrook. Yeah, yeah, we did have Westbrook. Westbrook, Kawhi. Paul, 
PJ and Bones. It's a little small for my liking. And then Terrence Mann and Norm come in for Russ and PG. So now, here's what I don't understand. Now this is where Ty Lue needs to take some accountability. Why? I get we're still tinkering. But again, it's now we're back to that. That's another issue I didn't want to make this trade. As I mentioned in the last live. You make the trade. Now it's, oh, we're just figuring things out. And it's going to take time. 10-game sample size. Whereas before, we were ready to go. Vibes were great. Everybody knew their roles. Chemistry was defined. The substitution patterns and decisions were not as hard for Ty Lue. He didn't have to think, oh, do, uh, you know, what set do I want to run to get this guy going? It was so much more fluid. It was so much easier. And it made so much more sense. And... Now Ty is going to get grilled. Now he's the guy who's not going to be able to make it work with four players if this doesn't work out, right? With four star caliber players. So, or not make them make the sacrifices, be too soft. However want however people want to, you know, twist it, Ty Lu is going to look bad having this much talent and not succeeding. 0 for 2 right now. We're 0 and 4 on the road. Both LA teams can't get a win on the road right now to save their lives. But the Clippers, they went up by as many as 8, 19 to 11 and 21 to 13 and in the second quarter we had by the way Zubats came in for Kawhi so at one point we literally had Russell Westbrook I'm sorry do we have none of them out there oh my god because I didn't watch the first quarter as I might I want to repeat if Kawhi comes out for Zoo that means the last one minute and 35 seconds it was Bones, Terrence, PJ, Norm, and Zoo. So none of our big four in at once. That's insane that we even tried doing that for a little bit. And somehow they didn't score. That's the funny part. Second quarter, the Nets outscored the Clippers 33-28. to It just felt like they started getting hot. Cam Thomas, before he got hurt, it sucks. I um, wish him the best. Absolutely wish him the best. But he was hitting shots, as you know he can, against the Clippers. And it has, he's been doing it all season so far. But knocking down contested shots. The Nets, I mean, Royce O'Neal made some deep threes. Like, they were just hitting. They were just hitting. I didn't think our defense was actually that bad in the first half. But the offense just still looked very clunky to me. Very clunky. And, you know, to be fair, in the second quarter, our defense wasn't all that great either. We allowed 33 points. I just thought a lot of that was really good shot making by Brooklyn. But James Harden, he got going in that second quarter in the pick and roll. Had a mid-range, a little three ball. Classic James. Classic James. And then we put Paul George in. For Bones Highland, who, by the way, just got his shot attempts up. But, again, you're seeing that Bones Highland, now that Russ and Harden are here together, just Bones Highland just doesn't make sense with this ball club. With Kawhi and Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, with Russ and Harden, just doesn't make sense. So for anybody that wanted, you know, was so invested in his development and the pace that he gave us, and, you know, we lacked pace, we lacked a little rim pressure, and Bones was showing that his pick-and-roll decision-making and passing was getting better with each game. His confidence was high. Now it just feels like he knows he's not playing that much. He knows he's not going to touch the ball that much. So let me get my shots up. I don't like it. I don't like it. And Harden and Russ, Harden's being too passive. Russ being too aggressive. It's a mess. Let me see. Anything else in the second quarter? Yeah, Harden was good. Defense was looking solid. Nets were making their open threes. Russ started hitting, uh, making some shots at the end of the quarter. A lot of hardened pin downs for that same play 18 feet away. And to be fair, we get good offense with it. Here's my thing, right? In basketball, unless you get an offensive rebound, you're only getting one shot per possession, right? So each team is getting one shot. Even if you have four, like even if your starting lineup or your lineup is way more talented than the other team, at the end of the day, only one guy can get a shot up on a possession at a time. That's the reality. And when guys don't complement each other's games so perfectly like that, 
it doesn't feel like you have that talent advantage. It just feels like, oh, it feels like, oh, Kawhi Leonard, a big name, just took that shot. Whereas, oh, Dorian Finney-Smith that just, just took that shot on the other end. But how different is the shot quality? You know what I'm saying? And when it feels so take-turnsy, it's like on a, on, a, on a dead ball. I think, again, Ty Lue, in my opinion, is running too many sets. I would honestly let them have a free-for-all a little bit more. Just let them hoop. Just let them hoop together. See where the possession takes us. Seriously. Likely with Kawhi and Paul George at the elbow or in the post, isolating. But who cares? Don't we want Kawhi to get the ball more? I mean, I think Ty's calling a little too many sets. And it just feels as though when that happens... It's like, okay, this is for Paul to get a shot. This is for Harden to get a shot. Each possession. This is for Harden to run a pick and roll. And it's just like, it's your turn, my turn. It's exactly what I said it was going to be. So let's keep going. Before I get into what the Clippers should do and all this shit, I see the comments. I'm going to answer them. Third quarter, Kawhi started getting going, as I mentioned. And then a little bit more of Russ initiating. Harden, when he was on the ball, by the way, most of Russ's missed shots are when Harden was on the ball. And I'm not blaming Harden for that. It's just the reality of the fact that you're putting Russ in more off-ball situations, and he's just like, all right, I got to be more aggressive. I mean, I'm off the ball now. I'm like a shooting guard. It's just whack. It's just not it. A brief moment. There was a brief moment where we again had Harden and Russ out together. I couldn't believe it, but we slowly put them back in. And again, take turns offense, minimal transition. Norman Powell did get seven points in that third quarter, so that was nice to see. But if it's a Zubats, getting stripped, getting blocked, and then for the second straight game, we weren't really feeding Kawhi enough as the game went on. Harden declining open threes. Did I call this out or did I not call this out? Because you know why? Because I watch basketball. James Harden is not very comfortable shooting catch-and-shoot threes. He oftentimes needs to take a rhythm dribble or he'll decline the three and get into his ISO or in his pick-and-roll. He's not. He doesn't love doing it. It's not very comfortable for him for whatever reason. And he shoots 41% on them, I know. But what good does, is it if you shoot 41% and you're... Pump faking when you're open and getting blocked, which happened in this game. <laughs> the fact of the matter is Russ and Harden, as much as they want to sacrifice, they're just not very good off the ball. And that's why it's just not it, man. It's just not it. It was hilarious. When he did that, I laughed my ass off. There was two times, at least two in this game, where Harden had an open three and he didn't shoot it. And it's just... It's just it's not it. And then a disaster all the way around in the fourth quarter. Bad offense, turning the ball over, Harden turning it over, Russ turning it over. Six turnovers in the first four minutes of the quarter. And just like the last game, our point of attack defense fell off a cliff in the second half. The effort was nowhere near the same. It felt like our team of old geezers just got tired. No secondary effort on the glass. Everybody's dying, not dying on screens, but the resistance at the point of attack screen navigation and staying in front of the ball closing out all that is weak right now and you're asking Zubats who already isn't playing well to come out and try to contest shots and when he does nobody is fall is uh covering for him and nobody's helping the helper nobody is making secondary efforts here in the second half Westbrook and Harden I'm looking directly at them even Paul George ball watching at the end of the game today Paul George let Royce O'Neal get multiple offensive rebounds against him I saw that what happened to bully shit? So ever since Harden comes, now you're not a bully anymore. You're just a bystander. Not having it. Not having it, bruh. I seem so mad. That's the funniest part, but I'm not mad at all. Because here's the thing. It's a win-win situation for me now. If we win, then we win. I love it. Clippers win. If we lose and this looks like garbage, 
And I look like a genius because everybody made me sound like I was a hater, which I am to a degree with Harden, but that doesn't really cloud my judgment. I didn't want this for basketball reasons, not because of my hatred for Harden. And people wanted to say, he's a casual, you don't get it, all this stuff. You know what some of those people wanted? Now let's talk, right? So Westbrook, by the way, actually was trying to get us back in the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, Harden's defense completely slowed down. He got away with a couple of fouls, too, when he was playing good defense. And I like how he, um, how he was trying to move his feet, but he's still not great defensively. And then Zoo's reads in the short roll. Horrible. All season long. Bad passes. Wrong decisions. He's not processing things quickly enough. Not making those reads quickly enough. And then Paul George, after his one shot in the in the third quarter, completely cooled down. Let me see how many shots these guys took in the fourth. Paul George took five shots. One for five. Four of them were threes. Kawhi, only two shots in the fourth. Westbrook was three for four in the fourth. Harden, 0 for two. His mid-range just didn't look good in this game besides one shot, I think, James Harden. It just, and our defense is weaker. We're smaller. The Nets just looked more athletic, more spry, because they are. And it's every single thing I imagined it was going to be right now. Clunky, take turnsy, not fluid making people defer too much, making Kawhi Leonard be less aggressive, making Westbrook play off the ball so much more than he needs to, making Harden play off the ball more than he needs to, and then Ty Lue is not even staggering them. Kobe Brown should probably be getting burned at this point, and now it's just like, I don't know. I'm just going to let it crash and burn if that's what it's going to be, and I'll be vindicated. And then everyone's going to realize and have a little more respect for your boy over here who spends way too much time studying basketball and the history of it and pays too much attention to it. Um, you know, and I've been wrong before, and I could be wrong still here. Who knows? Maybe we're celebrating on Figueroa in June. <laughs> Not without a trade. If we make a trade, that's different, by the way, because my whole point is, like, the team just after one Harden trade for whatever depth we're going to give up is not going to be it. I hope you guys realize that. Everyone's like, Roko and Nico, not a big deal. You know, Nico barely plays. He's old. Roko doesn't play last year. Well, you're not watching the games? That's all I have to say. Ty Lue seemed more serious before this move. Now it's tinkling Ty again. Yeah, notice I said tinkling because he's taking the fucking piss. Anyway. Um, the solutions, right? It's going to get better. Right? I think that, let's look at the stat lines, for example. Okay. Let's look at the stat lines. Kawhi Leonard, 7 for 15. Not a terrible percentage, but 1 for 6 from 3. His 3 ball has really declined these last couple of games. I do think it's a rhythm thing to a large degree. I don't like that Kawhi has taken 15 and 16 shots. You want him taking, like, you know, 18, 19, 20, in my opinion. But unless Paul George has it going like crazy. And it's crazy that Paul George started out so well because he was 7 for 20 in the game and 2 for 10 from 3. So ever since Harden's come along, Paul George has been playing, like, pretty ass, to be honest. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, that's okay. 17 points, 18 points, and 17 points. No, I don't like it. Paul George, 24 points, 7 rebounds, 3 turnovers. Then you have Zoo, who had a double-double, actually, 10 and 10, but you watched, and 3 blocks, but you watch the game, his impact, it doesn't feel very strong. It feels like he is not really a presence like he was last year at this time. 5 for 9 from the field. His stats look good, but man, they're not fooling anyone. And then James Harden, 12 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 5 turnovers. And he took accountability for it, just getting reckless with the ball. And that happens. 4 for 9 for James Harden. 4 for 9 for James Harden. 2 for 5 from deep and 2 for 2 from the line. Uh, he is who he is. 
Russell Westbrook, 13 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, only 1 turnover. Because, again, the ball just wasn't in his hands as much in terms of initiating plays. I think those turnovers come like that. And I think he was getting assists, you know, working off the attack, working off the catch. The stats look good there, but then you go to 6 for 18 from the field and 1 for 5 from 3. I said it myself, always said it. The maximum amount of threes Russ should be taking in a game is 3 unless he is hot. He was not that. 5 threes is way too many. And he was 6 for 18. Just didn't like it. Didn't like the performance. I already mentioned P.J. Tucker. Bones Highland played only 5 minutes, had 4 points, and was 2 for 6 on the field and 0 for 2 from 3. And then Norman Powell, 10 points on 4 for 8 shooting and 2 for 5 from 3. I actually think Norm, this trade has been okay for him so far, but his role has been reduced just because there's another guard. So Clippers have too many guards. It's back to last year. It's guard stop. We don't have any more wing stop. Our length and size is minimal. Uh, and Kawhi and Paul George are being asked to do too much defensively throughout games now, which I said from a mile away before the trade. So again, I don't know anything about ball. I'm a casual. I'm a fucking idiot that's emotional, and I'm a loser and a nerd. Again, run my 1v1 fade. You Little bitches. <laughs> if you say all that stuff. Anyway, basketball fade, not an actual fight. I think that's for Neanderthals, but in basketball, yes. Anyway, let's talk about the Nets. Mikhail Bridges, 10 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Not the best shooting game for Mikhail. 4 for 11 from the field, 1 for 4 from deep. But you know what Mikhail brings to the table. Defends, moves out the ball, did a little bit of everything. 2 steals, 2 blocks, gotta love that. Royce O'Neal, how about a double-double for him? That's unacceptable. 12 points, 10 rebounds on 4-for-10 shooting and 4-for-8 from 3. The Brooklyn Nets shot 37% from 3 in this game, 15-for-41. The Clippers shot an abysmal 22% from deep, and they shot well from 3 every game before. You know what? I'm just not going to say it. 40% from the field for the Clips, so they just shot terribly from both the field and 3. The Nets actually only shot 40% as well. Let's look at the possession battle because that we know that's been a big point of emphasis for the Clippers or was. 16 turnovers for the Clips, 14 for Brooklyn. So it's still that's a little too much. Fast break points, 14 for Brooklyn, 13 for the Clips. Eh, you just know we're not going to get out and run like that anymore. The same way. The three ball is really where they got us. I mean, seven more threes than us. That's going to make the difference. And a lot of them were tough shots they just hit. But again, they don't have to deal with this whole growing pains. And by the way, the Nets didn't have Nick Claxton or Cam Thomas in the second half, or Ben Simmons the whole game. So no Nick Claxton or Ben Simmons the whole game, and no Cam Thomas, and we just don't have Mason Plumlee, and we're getting beaten by them like that. Again, it's early. It's early. Third quarter, we got outscored, by the way, 27-22 by the Nets, and then fourth quarter, also 27-22. Wow. So we only won the first quarter. So talk about give no quarter. We gave them basically every quarter except for the first. As for... Cam Thomas, crazy. He had 14 points in his 20 minutes. He was actually one of their, lead, their second leading scorer just off those 20 minutes. Spencer Dinwiddie, he was only two for eight, seven points, but the three that he made in the corner to make it 97-90, I knew that that was going in the second he shot, and that was the dagger because he was due. Lonnie Walker, he's off to a solid start this season. 21 points off the bench, the former Laker. Eight for 16 from the field and three for seven from deep. For him, and another guy I thought played really well in this game was Dayron Sharp, cooking us on the glass. 11 points, 9 rebounds, 4 of those being offensive rebounds. 4 for 9 from the field. Solid. And then you got Dorian Finney-Smith, 12 points, 9 boards. So the, the Nets, 48 rebounds as a team. The Clippers actually out-rebounded them, funny enough. But, yeah, 14 offensive rebounds to 11 for the Nets. But 
That's it for the Clippers. How do they make the change? Well, we all know what really has to happen is one of Kawhi or, or I'm sorry, one of Russ or um, what's it called? Harden has to come off the bench. But you're dealing with guys who have big egos, still think they're stars, which in my opinion, they both are to a degree, more so Harden than Russ. I think Harden is better than Russ, but I don't know if he's better for our team. I really don't know. Russ has already worked really well with the starters. He's already built that rapport. He gives them that vocal leadership that, that Kawhi and Paul just severely lack. He gives them that enthusiasm that they lack, and I think he's a better defender. And he's more engaged when he's playing point. So, yeah. I would love if Harden went to the bench, and then we just got Harden closing. But he's never going to agree to that in a million years. And I know there's people that are going to think I'm an idiot for that because a lot of people that you know are bigger on Harden don't like Russ, and that's why they wanted Harden in the first place. I get it. Everybody has a different lens. I just think it's hard to tell Russ, hey, go to the bench after we... Here's the problem, right, that people weren't considering when they were talking about this move. Everyone's like, well, Russ is going to have to suck it up. <laughs> you think it's that easy? We're going to tell Russ to suck it up and go to the bench after the situation that we saved him in from the Lakers. Really? We brought him in under the, under the condition that he is going to be our starting point guard. And he had looked really good in that role so far. And now you're saying go to the bench. Did you not consider the human element of this trade? That's what I really questioned. All the Clipper fans that wanted this, did you not consider the human element of this trade? Nah. Then ask for us to be traded because he will not be coming off the bench. As from everything I've heard, unless it gets so bad to the point where you're making him sacrifice. And I would admire him a lot for doing that. That would change my tune completely. Part of the reason I didn't want the trade is because I know none of them want to come off the bench. Look, just because I don't post certain things on Twitter, because everyone's going to say if I say something, because I'm not a breaking news guy. I don't have that many sources, but I hear some things. And if I posted some of the things, people would be like, sources, do trust me, bro, like that fucking meme they put. But I've heard some things, man. It's going to be hard to get them to come off the bench. So this is what we're stuck with. And we got Dallas next, and they've been playing good ball this year. So I'm just going to let this crash and burn. Or succeed. Either way, it's a win-win for me. I got 75 people in the live right now on a, at 11.44 on a Wednesday. So I'll take it. You guys have been great this year. And now we're going to transition over to the Lakers. Oh, brother. I didn't get to watch the first quarter of this either. And I watched it a little bit quicker. I didn't even watch the fourth because the Lakers didn't actually earn that right to get me to watch the fourth. By the way, for any Houston Rockets fans watching this, I don't know if I have any. But if there are any Houston Rockets fans watching this, and I remember, and you remember me saying that they're going to be one of my teams that I'm going to watch this year, like a dime dropper team, as I like to say, I watched their first three L's, but I haven't watched any game the Rockets have won until tonight. And I'm going to go back and watch some of those and give you a more detailed analysis of what I think of the Houston Rockets, the new look Houston Rockets right now. This game, it's more about the Lakers. It's an LA channel. I was watching from a Lakers perspective. And from the Lakers perspective, it's exactly what I thought they'd be without AD. Garbage. Absolute trash. And on the interior, they were Turkish delights, if you know what I mean. Shangoon was a goon. He was fucking destroying them. They were awful, the Lakers. No, no resistance. Nobody actually stepping up sometimes to, to get physical. There were so many times where the Rockets were coming inside. Lakers are backing up, backing up. They don't want the contact. James Worthy said it at halftime. Where's the physicality? Where's the physicality? Where's the fire? You just lost two games, and you're supposed to be a team with championship aspirations. I always say that te teams that lose two games in a row or championship teams aren't supposed to lose two games in a row. They're not supposed to be okay with it. 
But they did, right? It just happens sometimes. You don't lose three in a row. And if you definitely don't get embarrassed like that. That was pathetic. That was an absolute slap in the face to every Laker fan who watched that game tonight. And all the Laker fans that went over and watched it in person. No effort at all. No second effort. Getting crushed on the glass. The Rockets quicker, more athletic to everything. It, it looked like the Lakers were an old team. Then you look and look at the roster and you're like, LeBron is like the only old guy that's really getting minutes right now. You had Castleton playing minutes. Good to see Rui Hachimura back. And he was like the only guy I can say really positive things about. 24 points and 8 rebounds for him on 10 for 14 shooting and 2 for 3 from deep. He was he was good. He was good. But he can't play the 5. No, Shangun, he was getting whatever he wanted in the lane. I like the way Jalen Green, it was one of the better games I've seen him play in the NBA. Hitting the outside shot, athletic, ripped Austin Reeves. And let's get into those two. Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. I know D'Lo had 9 for 18. That stat line is total bullshit. People on Apple Podcasts and, and Spotify, I really apologize. My audio keeps cutting out for some reason. I'm going to switch to Adobe Audition next episode. GarageBand has had their three-year run, and it's done. But sorry for the audio cutting out abruptly, and it seems like I'm repeating things. That's not intentional. But anyway, D'Lo and Austin Reeves have been garbage this season, and they've been getting scored on left and right too. We know they're not the best defensive backcourt in the world, but the way they've shown no resistance against Orlando, D'Angelo Russell was like absolutely pathetic. He was getting lost off the ball. He couldn't stay in front of anybody. He was getting bullied. He couldn't slide his feet. He was, again, when an offensive rebound happens or you're in transition and you have to match up, you need to be focused and attentive. You need to be talking. I see what guys don't give a shit about defense. And at times, D'Lo looks like that. You know who else also looks like he's being forced to play defense? Damian Lillard. But I'm going to talk about the Bucks in another live. Oh, my God. Defense and rebounding matters. Shocker to everybody. I get it. But Austin Reeves, man, he's been bad. Got ripped by Jalen Green. Out of control going to the basket. Getting scored on left and right. D'Angelo Russell, I don't care that he was efficient. They were both weren't good. They, the Lakers need to get better from Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell or they are not going anywhere that they thought they were going this season. They may not even win a round. LeBron and AD, LeBron and AD look fine. AD is needed back desperately and fast. By the way, Christian Wood to start tonight and only shoot one time. Weak. He's got to be more aggressive than that in games that Anthony Davis is not playing, of course. But LeBron... As far as him, 18 points, 7 for 13, but I don't think he was very aggressive. He just didn't look like he cared much tonight. I'm not saying he quit or anything, but he just it just looked way too easy and just like he, you know. LeBron does this thing where when things aren't going fully his way, he doesn't really believe. He just kind of throws in the towel, and it felt like that tonight. The Rockets were just quicker to everything, looked more athletic, looked more determined, and looked like a team that's in more in better form because they are. Four straight wins, the e effect. Houston's getting it done, and the Lakers in trouble. They lose it 128-94. to 94. But That's it for me in this one. Let me know what you thought. The audio was being really weird and choppy, so I'm going to use Adobe Audition from this point going forward. Thank you, GarageBand, for three years of service. Let me know what you think, Laker fans. And always, uh, leave a review if you'd like on Number Podcast. Peace.